Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and welcome to the show, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. I'm Candace S. Dave, health advocate and parent of vaccine-injured child. I'm here co-hosting today with Marcella Piper-Terry. Our topic today on this Veterans Day is Vaccine Matters, how the war on infectious disease is harming our children and our military personnel. Lori is um, on the board of VaxTruth. She is also the state rep for NVIC for West Virginia, co-founder of We the Parents, fighting for vaccine rights in West Virginia. Lori and her husband, Tim, are both veterans and both suffered serious adverse reactions to vaccines. Sandra um, has a child that uh, died from the H1N1 and also has knowledge of PREPA, Public Readiness and Emergency Readiness Act, and CICP, the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. Um, Marcella, you want to take it from here? Sure. Um, thank you. Thank you, Candace. And thank you, Lori and Sandy, both for agreeing to, to be with us and to talk a little bit about your personal experiences. Um, I, I'd like to say, you know, this is Veterans Day today, and so um, one of the things that we really want to talk about is the impact of the um, mandatory vaccinations on members of our nation's military. And, Lori, I wanted to say thank you for your service, and, and thank you to Tim, your husband, for his service. Um, uh, Lori, you were, um, I think you were in the Air Force, and Tim was in the Army. Yes. So I'm hoping... Um, uh, thanks for being with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Lori, can you tell us um, about, uh, you know, I, I, I am a military spouse. My husband was in the Air Force, but uh, he was, we got married after he was already in for several years. Um, and so my understanding of, you know, basic training and, and the early years in the military is, is, is limited as far as my personal experience. Can you tell us what it was like for you? Um, it was, it seems like a lifetime ago. Um, you know, when I enlisted in the, the first Air National Guard um, and went to basic training and, and lived in Texas for quite a while, uh, it was, of course, it's, it's, you know, meant to be, to be stressful. Um, but, you know, there are good stressors and bad stressors to it. The, inoculation process is is a bit surreal you're herded like cattle and um you're instructed to hold the person in front of you's belt loops in case you pass out because what they do is you just line up and they hit you with air inoculations um and, and quite a few people did actually hit the floor um And, you know, I, I, they know very, you have to go through the, the, the physicals and, and things like that. Um, which in reality, they know very little about your, your health history. 
my biggest reaction, I was in a, uh, an Air Force unit that was um, mobile. So we constantly had to uh, just stay up to date on, because uh, we could, you know, we could go anywhere in the world. And you have and to be ready to be deployed quickly, right? So, so it's not a, if I'm understanding it correctly, I was doing a little bit of research on this um, in preparedness for this. But because um, one of my questions was, why don't they just, you know, um, if, if it's a matter of being prepared to go to a certain area of the world, why don't they just vaccinate? specific to those people who are going to that area. But if you're, if I understand correctly, if you're in a mobile, if you're in a mob unit, a mobile unit, you right. have to be prepared to go at a moment's notice. So they can't wait to vaccinate. That's their reason for vaccinating everyone with all of this. Is that right? That That's correct. Right. We had, we're instructed to keep a, um, a, a bag under the bed. You know, we you had to go at all times, day or night. Um, but you still had, and that always was a bit confusing because you still had a mass, um, uh, you know, out out processing in doing that. And unfortunately, I was never caught up in this, but there were quite a few people who literally were double vaccinated because they couldn't put their... And plus, it was over 20 years ago, so it wasn't quite as automated as it probably is now. But there was, it wasn't as easy to put hands on records and we were supposed to carry our shot records in our bug out bags. And, um, so I would say there, there, I, I personally saw a, a quite a few cases where people were double vaccinated. Right. So, and a lot of these things you have to, it's, you know, we, we know more, I'm more familiar with the, um, what children get as far as, you know, it's school entrance and everything, but, some of these things like yellow fever and typhoid, there's a spacing that has to happen or you have to start it all over again. There's a, they have to be vaccinated according to exactly according to the schedule or, uh, and stay on that schedule exactly, right. or they have to start over. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Which is what happened to me with yellow fever. Um, because I, I actually was sick and missed, missed the dose and had to start over again and ended up hospitalized um, because basically I had, I had been more than double vaccinated. So what was your reaction like when you, um, when you reacted to the yellow fever vaccine? Um, the first time it was very flu like it was very, um, you know, I, I started with the, the fever and the cold chills and then the autoimmune type pain started um and then and actually i was still sick which is why i missed the second dose and they uh the, the military doctor on base said i had the flu <laughs> uh, of course i wasn't tested for it that's just what the symptoms were um and then when it came around that i could start the doses all over again the next one landed me in the hospital and it was within 24 hours i had the fever i had the, the the cold sweats the um, you know I couldn't there were times that I couldn't move my legs it just um, and really that's when that's when a lot of autoimmune it just sort of uh, if I had to go back and really say when my problem started um, that that would that would definitely be traceable.
So now, like now I know that I have Lyme and probably had Lyme at the time. Okay, so you had an underlying condition that you didn't probably didn't know about um, at the time that made you more vulnerable, which is what we know too about a, a lot of our children and and people who have serious adverse reactions to vaccines. And that's you know when some people say, well, a lot of people get this vaccine and nothing bad happens to them, so therefore it couldn't possibly have happened to you. Exactly, and, and that doesn't make any sense. And that's you know when we're vaccinating large numbers of people on the same schedule as if they're all the same, um, mm-hmm. we can't we can't always know what's what may put someone at risk. And there, and there are a lot of questions we wouldn't even know to ask. Correct. Right. So, so right. did you know no, I had never even heard of Lyme disease? You know, right. until much no, later. And once tested, my daughter carries the same variant of Borrelia uh, that I do. Yeah, and it used to be that people didn't think that Lyme disease could be passed uh, from mother to child right. in utero, but, but we're learning all the time a lot about that. Right. So did you know other people who had, had uh, serious reactions to vaccines? Um, you, were in I, you know, I, there, serious reaction, not as much as mine until I met my husband, I will say that just overall, because of the, the vaccines that we had to take on a regular basis, and then because of, like I said, poor record keeping, sometimes even retake um, before even a year had passed, you know, our, and I say guys because I was in a unit with 100 men, and I was, there were only two women. So if, if I say guys, I'm not meaning to be sexist, but I'm thinking very specifically of people in my unit. Um, you know, the guys were, they were sick every time it, it, we hated it. We hated it when we had to line up and when this came around, because we knew that we, it was just, we were all going to be sick for a while. Yeah. So tell us about Tim, about your husband and what happened to him. Um, he, I, I actually had to really ask him some details last night because he doesn't talk about his military experience very much. Um, and, this happened long before, long before I knew him. But he um, he had serious adverse reactions to the flu shot, which of course they were required to take. Um, he had very he was hospitalized for a week after his first typhoid inoculation, and he was a strapping, healthy young man. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're talking the farm boy who's never sick, uh, you, you know, young, college, just fresh out of college, um, no health problems that were known at the time. Uh, and, and he was within, with, I want to say within 10 hours, he was on his back. Mm. They didn't quite know what to do with them. Did they recognize, were, was, were his injuries recognized as being because of the vaccine? Uh, it, it was. Um, it did not preclude him from having to take it again um, because he did quite a bit of overseas duty. Um, but, you know, we went back through his medical records and everything back that far is very sketchy. Um, it is, you know, we found the hospitalization, we found the record, and that's that's really all that it, that it, the all that is noted is that uh, you know he he got the typhoid inoculation and then he was hospitalized with some uh, paralysis. 
I was of his legs. Was with paralysis to his legs. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was looking this morning at, at, at really at looking at the anthrax um, debacle, and mm-hmm. uh, and and learning quite a bit about it. My husband was uh, he received two anthrax vaccinations before he retired um, from the Air Force, and he so he did not complete the series. Thank goodness. Um, but really, you know, w- one of the things that I was looking at with the anthrax and smallpox and particularly, you know, mm-hmm. people who were getting anthrax and smallpox vaccinations together mm-hmm. and, and just, um, this complete, what looks like, uh, denial and cover up, uh, oh, in the military, right. uh, of the, of the reality of the situation. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? I, I can. And when I, when we talked about, what he um, got, literally, they didn't. He didn't know. He didn't okay. know what he was getting. So they were going to wrap it up. No, no, I, no, absolutely not. Okay. Wow. I, I I just heard music, so I'm thinking that maybe we'll be going to um, going to a break here pretty quickly. Um, and um, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about the anthrax um, issue. Um, cause I, I, and, and hear about what happened to Tim when he got the anthrax vaccine. to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? By making some important changes in your life, you can move forward from where you are to where you wish to be. It is becoming the change you want to see. It can be a sort of experiment, if you will. On Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time, your host, Dr. Serena Wadwa, will introduce you to ideas that can help improve your health, relationships, and finances. You probably have at least one part of your life that needs improving. Make an appointment now to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. 
Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Okay, and um, we're we're back from break, and uh, this is Marcella Piper Terry from Vax Truth, and um, I'm here today with my guest co-host Candace S. Dave, parent advocate, and Candace and I are really pleased to welcome to the program Lori Mitchell Lee. Um, Lori is uh, was just talking with us before the break about her experience as a veteran. Uh, who was injured by mandatory vaccines, and also uh, her husband is a veteran who was also injured by a mandatory vaccines. And we will we'll be uh, asking uh, Sandy Connervisto to join us in a little bit, talking about her experience um, and her knowledge of the um, PREPA Act and how that has affected um, affected her family and with her son's death from H1N1 vaccine and what we might need to um, know about that in the future. So, Lori, you were telling us before the break about um, your husband's um, experience with vaccine injury. I'm just going to let you take over and go from here. Sure, sure. Um, when... You know, Tim has a lot of vaccines being in the military. He, he went to Korea, Germany. He just traveled all over the world. Um, and each country had, you know, their own requirements uh, military-wise. When he shipped off to Iraq um, for Operation Desert Storm, and I think there were, I know I'm not being military correct, there were there were two or three different different uh, names for, for that conflict there. But he he said that early, and it's funny with the military. No matter how prepared you are, it's always a gaggle shipping out. Um, and literally, they were. When I asked him what vaccines he had, he he at the time he didn't know. And when they asked what they were being given, they were told, "We can't tell you." So not until he EPS from the military and, and really got to look at his records, um, which I do not believe were complete whatsoever, was he able to really see the doses of anthrax and, and smallpox and, and uh, you know, all the different things that he was given on his way out. And the things that he was given in Iraq, um, uh, you know, are, are still some a mystery. Uh, but I, I, you know, typhoid, of course, like I said, was his, was his biggest reaction, um, giving him some temporary paralysis, the fevers, the, the malaise that really didn't lift for quite a while. He was hospitalized for over a week. Um, he was in a field hospital, uh, didn't quite know what to do with him. But when he, he knows that he took the anthrax is when all of his hair fell out. Um, and, you know, to look back at his history and his genetics and his family, every, every man has this, you know, his father, his grandfather, all of them have this thick, you know, lovely hair. And all of a sudden he gets, he gets anthrax. I'm sure that it did a lot of different things to his body, but, but literally all of his hair fell out. Right. So that alopecia, that autoimmune kind of presentation Mm -hmm. That that um, I was actually reading some other stories about people's reactions to the anthrax uh, vaccine and and the falling out the hair falling out is something that I did see multiple times. So 
Um, what I want to ask you, Lori, because you have um, you and Tim are both continuing, even being out of the military. You guys have been continuing this war um, on the literally on the front lines for religious freedom and religious exemptions for vaccines in the state of West Virginia. And I'm just blown away by your advocacy and your um, your consistency with that fight. And thank you so much. Um, but, you know, we talk about informed consent and about um, the synergistic effects of vaccines. And one of the things that we talk about with children is that our children are really, you know, they're on the front lines of this um, war on infectious diseases for, for school. Mm-hmm. And and the, the vaccines that they're given according to schedule have never been tested for synergistic effects. So I think a lot of what you're, you're talking about with, you know, these guys and, and women who are going through um, it, being vaccinated and, and basic training and, and ongoing, and they're getting multiple things, and they don't even know what they're getting, much less what's in them. Right. So, um, but can you... Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you've experienced as a as a veteran and as a parent of children living in West Virginia as far as the school uh, system goes? Because that, that is, I mean, this is another another aspect of you know our our children um, being in this fight. Sure, and, and it is a fight, unfortunately, um, and it's really sad, especially for Tim, who you know really laid his life on the line again and again and again, and and fought all over the world for freedom, and then he. You know, after Iraq, he gets out, he comes home, and he's so happy, and he's so excited, and he has a family, and and to find that he's fought all over the world for 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 other people, you know, and for, for freedom and democracy and, and freedom from prosecution, and here he lands back home where he wants to be, and his child, who's had previous reactions to DTAP, is, is bullied and isn't allowed to go to school in the state of West Virginia. Because as we do our research, we realize that that uh, she, uh, you know, she can't handle the toxic load that she's on the spectrum. Um, you know, as a direct result of of DTAP, that she has these food allergies caused by DTAP. And um, you know, once we do our homework, we realize that this is this is a direct violation. We're vegetarians by faith, you know, and, and I think probably everybody listening has has done their homework enough to know that these cultures there are there are you know monkey bovine you know cow aborted fetal tissue you know if we if we can't ingest meat by faith then why on earth is the state allowed to to require us to inject this into our children's bodies right um you know and we're just bullied to the point that that uh, we have to drive our kids to ohio or homeschool because we can cross any border. It's only West Virginia and Mississippi. We can literally cross any border and school our children. And the the leadership, you know, previ- in previous years in the state of West Virginia has just dug their heels in and used scare tactics and bullying and, I mean, just really uh, just the warfare has been, we're, you know, we're still at war. <laughs> It's it's almost like he never left. Mm. So your daughter, your daughter, I know, um, has suffered a suffered a reaction to vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that uh, that I have noticed and have researched a little bit about in the past is that 
um, the the number, and we think about autism, you know, that that's the number that we have, the number of, of children of, among military personnel with autism. I remember there was a there was a um, a paper that was published by uh, Dr. Yazbek in 2007 or 2008, I believe. But it was after the the CDC came out with the with the number that one in 150 children in the United States was diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. And um, there was uh, some parents in among military personnel who did research on that and. And they found that at that time, the number in the military, children of military personnel was one in 88, um, at least one in 88. And, and I mean, an even more shameful thing is that only about 10% of those children of military veterans who had been diagnosed, had a medical diagnosis of autism, um, only about 10% of them were receiving intervention services or behavior uh, ABA therapy through TRICARE. There's really, and I, I don't know how much that has changed since then, but there's a whole, it, it's just this domino effect, it seems, that we just continue to, we, we injure our military um, personnel, we demand that they get these vaccines, we don't give them informed consent, they are used as guinea pigs in experimental vaccines, right. and, and then their children are, are at increased harm um, as a result of damaged DNA, um, epigenetics, and and they they don't even receive the basic um, intervention services that are necessary for their children to um, to have any any chance of uh, at early intervention. So it just seems to be this ongoing um, uh, harm that that we do to these people that we're supposed to be um, thanking and revering for the service and the sacrifice that you've made for our country. Right. You're absolutely correct. And I don't know, I honestly don't know if it's a lack of understanding or if it's a, if it's a, a suppressive tactic. And, and usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. I, I honestly don't know, but I, I can say that, um, you know, through the VA, we've not been able to get the, the care for Tim or I. Um, you know, Tim is, is, is clearly on the spectrum. We've not been able to, to get, um, you know, environmental care. We've never not been able to get anything done uh, because of, of water poisoning or, um, you know, just the whole gamut of, of, of and, and, you know, he didn't have even have any services when he, when he separated from the military. Um, you know, the, the depression, the reintegr- reintegration, We've we've not been able to get any progressive services whatsoever. Do you think that that uh, I, and I know you said it, do you think it's the truth is somewhere in the middle and that that's something that you know I've been reading in, in anticipation of doing this program um, about people who have you know whose children have died uh, parents of military service members who who died uh, was reading one this morning posted the story of uh, Rachel Lacey. Um, who, uh, who who died just within weeks of getting vaccinated um, through the military, and um, and the, and it, it's it's just it's so the same kind of story that we get when children die after vaccines, like um, as Sandy's son did, Christopher, and Kaylin uh, Matten, and you know, in the case of Kaylin Matten, where she died four days after getting the flu shot. And they said, well, we can't be sure that it was the flu shot. 
So right. there, there just seems to be that it, it does seem to be a massive cover-up, and that that they're they're minimizing and denying the harm in order to protect the program. I, they, there definitely, there definitely is a level of cover-up. Um, you know, all the way, and I think you're right. It goes all the way from, uh, you know, the military not being able to tell service members what they're being injected with, all the way up. To um, you know, our, our kids, you know, and, and and back to West Virginia. When you when you live in a place where you know you can take, and it, this happens. This is this is a recurring theme. We have a child who who has a vaccine injury, and the specialist saying no more. The child can no longer have this. This could kill this child, and we'll lay out. The medical research, we're talking immunologists, pediatricians, defeat autism now doctors, allergists. And when you take a county, an MD, who is employed by the county, who may or may not work full time, usually they don't, and can look at that and deny it and say, no, your child cannot go to school, you know, we're going to override all of this that you that you have done and we're going to trump your specialists and say no we we won't let your kid in school and that's been a that has been something that has happened to multiple people there in west virginia has it not who who children who have medical uh exemptions and then and the the local government says no we're not going to honor that it happens quite a bit yeah, so it's not just uh, even the religious freedom; it's the medical uh, exemptions yes. that are trumped in West Virginia frequently. And we're we're, so, we're working hard on both. There's really two issues. Excuse me. Well, I'm I'm so glad that you are uh, that you and Tim are on the front lines there in West Virginia, and that you uh, we we know that you will continue to fight for that freedom. So I think we're going to be going to another break, and we will continue our discussion with Lori Mitchell Lee and welcome Sandy Conervisto to talk with us about H1N1 and uh, the Prefab Act when we come back from break. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. 
There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Okay, welcome back. Uh, again, this is Marcella Piper Terry and sitting in uh, with, along with Candace Estave today um, for Terry Aranga. And we are talking with Lori Mitchell-Lee. And uh, she's been telling us about uh, her experience and the experience of her husband, Tim, um, as military veterans and uh, mandatory vaccinations. And just a, a really um, fascinating discussion and heartbreaking discussion about something that is affecting more and more of our young, um, healthy adults and, uh, and, and w- who are now ill with chronic autoimmune diseases and, and worse and, and the effect on their children the children of military personnel. Um, so, again, Lori, I want to thank you and Tim for your service. I want to go um, now, if we can, to Sandy Conorvisto. Uh, and Sandy is, um, is the mother of a young man named Christopher, who uh, Christopher, unfortunately, um, is no longer with us. He passed. Um, he died in 2009 after uh, receiving H1N1 vaccine. And I've asked Sandy to be with us today because she has some information she's done. Um, she's unfortunately been put in that position where she's had to do quite a bit of research on her own about how uh, certain things affect us and certain rules affect us uh, when, when, for example, a pandemic situation is uh, is uh, enacted by our government. So, Sandy, welcome to the program. And um, if you could just tell us a little bit about your experience and, and what happened with your son. Um, well, my son, he was 19 years old, and um, he was always very healthy. And he chose to get the H1N1 vaccine, but not the regular flu vaccine. And a couple weeks later, he had like flu-like symptoms just for one day. Next day, he was fine. He had a little bit of a sore throat and nothing up to, um, it was November 20th, 2009. And he went to sleep and didn't wake up. And they said he passed away from myocarditis caused by a recent viral infection. And we had continually asked the medical examiner to look for something in the vaccine, and she was adamant that it couldn't have been anything in the vaccine. And um, when she called us in February, she said that it looked like it was going to be unknown, but they would do one more test on his heart, and that's when they found the myocarditis. And uh, I asked her at that point if they would check for something in the vaccine, and she said it had been too late and too long, and they wouldn't be able to isolate it down that far. And so we wanted to see if we had any legal rights that, you know, the vaccines are presented as being safe. And um, we started, you know, looking, and I kept saying, I, it was the first time I'd heard of this. It was the first time I'd heard of the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. And then in digging, I find that there's another one called the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, and it was 
enacted in 2005. It was a bill that was attached to the defense spending budget um, for the next year. And it was passed, I believe, on December 22nd when Congress was getting ready to go home. They wanted to get out of there, go home for the holidays. So they left that bill on there. Um, it was described as being a Christmas present to the pharmaceutical companies and lump of coal to the public. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, in almost five years, I have yet to find an, an attorney that has heard of the countermeasures injury compensation program. And what it allows is the pharmaceutical companies can take a vaccine, a medication, or a medical device that has been, has been presumed safe. They can alter it, put it under, call it a pandemic, and release it to the general public after minimal testing. The H1N1 vaccine was tested from July of 2009 until September 2009. That was all the studies that was done on it. It was just under three months. So, so this um, countermeasures injury compensation program um, is is in effect what uh, the the pandemic uh, the pandemic declaration for H one N one allowed them to take uh, to to take a an experimental vaccine and declare it safe um, in a in a record amount of time and release it to the public and then the pharmaceutical companies are. Um, protected even further and even beyond what the vaccine injury compensation program protects them. Wow. Yeah, they, um, the only, you can, the only way that you can sue is if the Secretary of Health declares, um, willful misconduct. And, you know, you don't have anything. We were allowed to send in only medical documents. Um, I couldn't send in his, message to his girlfriend that said, I feel like crap, that was on November 4th, or the one the next day that said, I'm feeling better, I had just a little bit of a sore throat, you know, none of that was, you know, comments that he made, everything had to be medically or scientifically backed up, and so he had the vaccine and his autopsy report, and that was about it, that was all we were allowed, and they said that Although I did prove a temporal relationship, I did not prove a direct cause. And so, you know, it was denied. And because it was H1N1, you can't file anything through the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program? No, I can't. Oh, my goodness. If any of them, um, the vaccines that included H1N1 after the 2009-2010 year can file under Uh, As soon as they added it to the original vaccine, then it had that tax imposed on it, which funds uh, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. So, yes, anybody after that one year can file under VICAP. We were unable to because ours is still under the countermeasures. And that, so so, um, what... What do you see with the research that you've done and the experience that you've had on this um, with your family? What are your concerns now, um, Sandy, about um, this PREPA, this um, the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, and and how that applies to what we're seeing now with, for instance, Ebola? Um, quite a while ago, I said they'll have another pandemic. 
you like. And I actually thought it would that they would do the smallpox, to be honest. But anyway, um, what I see is in 2000, we had a year to file a claim, a year from the day he took the vaccine. So we had until October 19th of 2010. And I waited till the last minute, and all we could do was file a letter of intent that we intended to file. And we finally got our denial letter, um, and the final denial letter was in September of 2013. Hmm. They didn't even write the rules until October of 2010. And uh, anyway, in March of 2011, there was an announcement that the CDC was getting ready to um, process 386 claims against the H1N1 vaccine. But you cannot find anything after that. You can't find was money ever ever appropriated to fund it. Um, what happened to those uh, three, uh, 385 other claims? You know, were they processed? Were they, you know, were they paid? Were they denied? What were the claims for? There's nothing. But what you do see is the lessons learned, what they need to do to get the public more reactive about getting a vaccine under a pandemic situation. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I'm I'm so sorry for Christopher's loss. Um, I we did you know publish his story on vaxtruth.org. Um, anybody listening to the program, please go to maxtruth.org and um, look at and read Christopher's story. He's a, he's one of the children, young adult child, who we have featured in our uh, Meet the Children series on Vaxtruth. And uh, we're just, we're so sorry for your loss, Sandy. And I thank you so much for uh, being with us and sharing Christopher's story and your experience, because I think this is these are things that the general public. I mean, you know, I, I didn't know anything about this until you told me about it, and so that's our our goal is to help people to realize that even as as um, as little as the vaccine injury compensation program works. Um, and, and it doesn't work. It just, you know, it's, it's, it is a, it's a horrible program and it protects, it's, it's there to protect the pharmaceutical industry. It's not there to protect us as consumers. Um, when you're, you know, when your child is injured by a vaccine, you can't sue the manufacturer. And it's as horrible as that program is, this countermeasures injury compensation program is even worse. And it's something we all need to be aware of and we need to, um, Become active and talk with our uh, with our congressmen and congresswomen about about this uh, and demand that we as families and our children are protected. So um, I appreciate you being here, Sandy. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And um, so I I hear uh, uh, I think it's about time for us to take another break. And when we come back from that break, we'll be uh, wrapping up a little bit more and talking about some um, some resources that people might want to pursue to get more information on mandatory vaccines in the military and what we can do to um, to continue to bring awareness about religious exemptions in 48 states and push for religious exemptions for children in school in the two that currently do not have them. So we'll be back in a few minutes after the break.
listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you or someone you love struggle with Alzheimer's disease or some other disorder? Many times, there is not an adequate support forum where you can learn from and discuss topics from top guest experts. Tune in to NeuroMatters, The Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Although thought of as a disease that affects only older individuals, increasingly, symptoms are being found in people who are in their 40s and 50s. Get the answers. NeuroMatters airs live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is... Have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Okay, welcome back, and this is, um, once again, Marcella Piper-Terry here with Candace Estave, and um, we are talking with our guest, Sandy Conner-Visto, who is the mother of Christopher Conner-Visto, who died after receiving an H1N1 vaccine in 2009. And Sandy, was, uh, we were just talking in the break um, about a little bit more about the impact of the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, and you were telling me um, a couple of ways that that program a couple of more ways that that program is different from the vaccine injury compensation program. Can you just expand on that very quickly? Okay. The, um, the maximum death benefit through the countermeasures injury compensation program is $250,000. And if you have private insurance or if there's, you know, workman's comp or anything like that, that would be deducted from the death benefit. So, you know, if you have a life insurance, they're going to deduct that. In our case, we would have, the maximum we could have got was 238000 And then if we had found an attorney to take our case, we would have been responsible for the attorney's fees where under the vaccine injury compensation program that the attorney's fees are paid out of the fund. Um, one attorney I did speak to, the only attorney, um, he had never heard of the countermeasures injury compensation program, and he helped answer questions about the vaccine injury compensation program that helped me understand which direction to go to file. But I asked him, I said, if I had to do this for me, what would you charge me? And he said, you're looking at about $50,000. And, you know, and neither one of us could see any way that we were ever going to win it, but I had to try. 
Yeah. And all the plan was to use it to set up a memorial foundation in his name. And mm-hmm. now he's our only child. And well, Sandy, I, again, I am so sorry for your loss and um, I appreciate so much your, your willingness to be here with us today and to, um, to help educate the public about these very important topics that we, we know nothing about. And, um, and the, hopefully the goal is, is that people will, will realize that, uh, you know, a little bit more about how things work and don't work and, um, and start to become educated and educate their neighbors and, and their family members. So thank you again for being with us today and um, God bless you. Thank you. Um, Okay, before I uh, before we wrap up, I just want to um, I would like to say that I in in the process of becoming um, a little bit more educated about this issue, the military vaccine uh, issue, I I did find a couple of good resources that I would like to share, and I will post these on my Facebook page, Marcella Piper Terry at Facebook, and also on the Vax Truth Facebook page. One of the resources is a uh, a website called the Military Vaccine Resource Directory. And um, it, it actually is, uh, it looks like it hasn't been updated in a while, but it's got some, and uh, it's got some good information on it. Um, there's a, and, and particularly if you go to the directory on the left in the blue box, there's lots of, uh, lots of information there. So that's one thing that I found. Um, another resource is um, for, uh, for, oh my goodness, vaccine rights, for uh, Alan Phillips, vaccine rights attorney. Um, he has some good information on exemptions. Um, and what he says is that um, military regulations offer military members medical and, and administrative exemptions, the latter of which includes religious exemptions. Um, religious, religious exemptions are also available to military families, children in military schools, and civilian military contractors. Um, What I have found is that there's a lot of confusion about exemptions in the military. One thing that I did find that kept repeating over and over again um, was the fact that if you you do plan to claim a religious exemption uh, on joining the military, it has to be declared before you enlist in the military. And if it is not declared before... Prior to enlisting, there is no hope whatsoever of getting a, a religious exemption. And um, apparently, from what I've read, that even if you do claim a religious exemption prior to enlisting, um, you may or may not be able to uh, to actively um, continue to declare that uh, religious exemption because of some of these other things, these other um, issues that may come up, depending on where you're going and whether or not it's an emergency situation, quote-unquote, and that kind of thing. So the, the take-home message on how to prevent vaccine injuries if, you, are, if you're, you or your child are going into the military is to really do your research ahead of time. Seek out the advice of an attorney before enlisting. Um, talk to your, uh, to your representatives, your state and federal representatives. Let them know your position on this and continue to educate those people who are making the laws um, in our country. So those are, those are the things. One last um, issue that I'd like to say is that this is a very, very serious issue within my own family. My husband was in the Air Force for 24 years. His brother was in the Air Force for 22 years, and their father was in the Air Force for 20 years. So between the, the three of uh, the men in my, my husband's family there, um, there were 66 years of military service. Um, and one thing that I've learned a, a while back is that 
children of military personnel are six times more likely to enlist or be commissioned into the military service as those who do not, uh, who, who are not children of military personnel. That line is, ends with my daughter and with my children because my children are vaccine injured and they are not fit for service. They can't pass the physical. So that says a lot about what we are facing in the future of our military in this country. So on this day, I'd like to, again, thank all of our military personnel for their service and, um, and would like to add to please pray for our country because uh, unless something drastic changes, we are, uh, we're in for some rough times ahead. So with that, I would love to turn this back over to Candace Estave, my co-host, who has some important information about uh, next week's show. Thank you, Marcella. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, next week, Tuesday, November 18th, Terry Aranga will be talking with uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits and Kent Heckenlively um, on the release of their new book, Plague. So that'll be a great show to sit in on. And, of course, we'd like to thank all of our veterans for their service and uh, to express our heartfelt sympathy uh, to Sandra for the loss of her son and um, hope that everyone listening will contact their representatives and try to make change. And um, remember, um, we don't have to be vaccinated to go to school except for in Mississippi and West Virginia. Absolutely. I was more, uh, Mississippi and West Virginia, for anybody who is not aware, those are the only two states in the United States currently where you are not able to declare a religious exemption from vaccination. And um, advocates in both states are working very hard to secure religious freedom. Um, and as we heard from our guest today, Lori Mitchell-Lee, uh, she is one of the co-founders of We the Parents, we the Parents is a grassroots organization that's been fighting for religious freedom from vaccination in West Virginia. There's a group in Mississippi, uh, Mississippi Parents for Vaccine Rights. Um, both are available. They're, both groups are on Facebook. Please uh, friend them on Facebook, like their pages, and share that information. Absolutely. And, Marcella, you have such wonderful information on your website. That's vaxtruth.org. VAXTruth.org. And again, next week, please sit in with um, Dr. Judy Mikovits, Terry Aranga, and Kent Heckin Lively um, talking about the release of, of, of Kent and Judy's new book, Plague. I'm thank looking you forward so much, to Marcella, for awesome. um, being with us today. Well, thank you, Candace. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you, and everyone, we'll talk for listening. To you very soon. All right. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I'm...